Uh, would you be willing to move into a process of serving God in a manner that would do a number of things? One, uh, make you to know and feel purpose in life. Uh, secondly, to bring emotional healing. Uh, thirdly, to aid you in every relationship you have. Fourthly, to bring clarity of, of mind. Fifthly, to help you to have a successful journey in life. And then sixthly, to uh, love your city in the process. I, I want to talk to you from experience of just, just life a little bit. And then we're going to get dial into some more of the teaching here. That many people lack purpose in life. It's really incredible. I've watched over the last 30 years. There's books out now about the generation that's born, been born from... Uh, 19, uh, 1995, I think it is, up to 2012, the, the people that were, were birthed in the cell phone generation. I was just hearing a little interview, and a lady said that, that she was tracking the, the young generation, and at first that the cell phone seemed to connect people, and then all of a sudden the stats come in that people are more and more isolated. We've got technology but we've lost our touch. Say touch, technology, okay? How many of you know it's better to have an ear that works than just a good hearing aid? So it's better to have touch than just technology. And so what has happened, we are in the I generation, the me generation. Now, to be fair, it didn't start. So you, you, you young guys that, that, that hear many people, well, the young generation is, we're not going to throw stones at the young generation. They're great. Look at them. They're here. And they're sweet. They're precious. They're clean and sober. Okay. But I found that, that probably my generation, which was born between 1948 and 1964, uh, the, what's called the baby boomer generation, we were the, we the post-World War II baby boom Guys came home from marching across several continents, fighting in, in uh, Europe and then fighting in, in, in Asia. And all of these GIs came home and they began to have babies like crazy and out came the baby boom generation. The largest generation ever to live in the United States before and to this day, the largest generation of babies was the baby boomer generation. And so we were the the soldiers' kids and the people coming home from World War II, and they said, we want to make a soft landing for our kids. We don't want them to have to hurt too much. And out of that, in the baby boomer generation, there came uh, student loans for students. And, and there was all of this stuff to make our life easier. And my generation said, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. And in my generation, many people... Uh, turned very selfish. And we saw that, that, that even today that, that, that a lot of the, the baby boomer people, you know, they, they, they uh, <laughs> are not close to, uh, to child pornography and other things because our generation was a sexualized, drugged up, self-centered generation. And guess what? Many of the baby boomers did not really train their children with the touch. 
I'm going to take you by hand, honey, and I'm going to walk with you in life and train you how to live for something greater than just yourself. Now, please, even if you forget everything else I've said, let me just say this, no matter what generation you're from, living for yourself will leave you with sand in your mouth. It always does. Okay? There, there are people with notable car collections, like the entertainer uh, Jay uh, Leno. Tremendous. L let me just say this. Have you ever wondered how, how people who can make hundreds of millions of dollars can end up broke and bankrupt? Because you can, you can, you can build a great, a great uh, collection of autos, or you can gather a great collection of, of wives that each time you get a divorce or she divorces you, you have your income cut in half. Famous actor by the name of Burt Reynolds. He's not known today, but he, one time he was a top star, and, and Burt's worth like five million, which is nothing compared to all that he handled in his lifetime. But, but Hollywood and the emphasis of, of our generation and our culture is, is, hey, this camera is for you. Selfies, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace. What are some of the new ones? Snapchat, everything. I mean, there are people that, that think that, that the whole world revolves around them. You, you, you need to see, I'm heading to the bathroom right now. Uh, how do you all feel about it? Like, I guess I like it. Were you stove up? What was wrong with you? Am I relating to anybody here? Me, 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 me. And can I tell you, when you, when you worship yourself, watch this, you can only go as high as the God you worship can take you. If I worship myself, then I'm, I'm feeding on two emotions. Elation, when anyone comes and serves me, or depression, when someone doesn't. And if you look at the, even among the baby boomers, high level of people killing themselves, or just overdosing, maybe not with definite suicide, but, but, but that's what, what self-centered uh, nihilism does. Self-centered nihilism, the wretch ends up saying, life is so screwed up because I quit being adored, I quit being served, I have no purpose in life, and I'll end my life because I have no purpose. Churches are not exempt from this. You can come to church. You can come to church to meet God for a number of reasons. I wonder what he can do for me. Again, I'm king, and maybe God will serve me. Or you can come in and say, you know what? I've read Genesis saying God created the heavens and the earth, and he made me to be in his image and likeness. He's building something. He's, he's designed me to be a part of his family. His family is a family of builders, and I want to know the purpose of God in my life so that I can be happy all the way through. 
When you serve God, you start happy. You, I'm not saying you don't have trials. I'm just saying that you can walk in the joy of the Lord every week, every day of your life. A friend of mine by the, by the name of Al Egg. Al is the chaplain for the Portland Trailblazers. And uh, Al lost a, a daughter to uh, a drunk driver. And, and Al says this. He said, he said, I've been happy every day of my life. And they asked him, what about the day? that your, your daughter was killed. He said, it hit me very hard, but I realized she's with Jesus and I determined to be happy. Flash forward, Luis Palau lives up in the Portland area where Al does. And, and Luis's boy, who's now walking with God just powerfully, Luis's uh, son was, was, was drunk at a, at a sports event. And Al, having lost his daughter to a drunk driver, showed the love of God and went over to Luis's boy and just told him how much he loved him and how much that he didn't need to lean on that as a resource. The kid says this, he said, because of Al Egg showing the love of God, he said, I, it, it, it touched my heart and I had to come home to God. Now the kid has joined his father in the ministry and he's, he's serving the Lord. Let me just say this, if you want to be the most emotionally healthy, centered always happy, happy every day to join the group of Al Egg and many others. They just live to exist with God and we serve at the king's pleasure and it's all good. I'm getting my eyes off me. Everyone doesn't see, need to see my selfie, especially not me. I'm not talking about your selfie, I'm talking about my own. I want to tell you something. If I want to get depressed, I focus on myself. If I want to get joyful, I focus on my master. I focus on the king. Because he's eternal, immortal, invincible, the only true God. And, and living for him brings us purpose. Would you take that journey if you could, if you could find purpose and have emotional healing? To be aided in your, in your social life, your relationships with your, your mate, your children, your friends, your co-workers. Would you turn, take the journey with God if you could have clarity of mind? Knowing that God wants you to have a successful journey in life. And as a consequence, because you're so balanced, you're like, an, uh, you're like a, a porch light on a dark night for the neighborhood. Everybody goes, wow, that person's healthy. How many of you know people are looking for healthy people? I can hardly get out of Safeway anymore. I'll be somewhere and, and just kind of start chatting with somebody, and it's like they, there's like this healthometer that people have because there's so many screwed up people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really be scary. Life wasn't made that we needed mood management drugs. We manage our mood biblically through peace with God. Not through something I can eat. And I'm not here to hurt you if you are there, but I'm telling you there's a better way of life. You can overcome depression. You can overcome suicide. You can overcome low self-esteem, but you'll do it when you take God's journey and begin to walk like his kids walk. Hello? 
So we see in the, in the scriptures, there's an example of the early church, and they walked in four disciplines that seem to bring these re results. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Wow. These people seemed awful happy. <laughs> how, how do you know that they were so happy? Because, see, people, people come to Christ when they meet happy Christians. Not people that go into church to find out what's wrong. What are you doing, sir? Well, I'm just going from church to church. What, what are you looking for? I'm looking for flaws. Dude, you're a moron. Come have lunch with me and I'll... I'll I, I can talk you under the table about flaws in church. That's just the stuff I've done. And then we can move on to other denominations. How many of you know that, 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 that very lemon-flavored lemon Christians don't attract anybody? What's your view of life? It's getting worse. Life was filled with guns and wars. Everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. How many of you know you, you, have, to, you, you have to preach an overcoming king with some proof text? How, do you, how, how can I know that you believe in an overcoming king? Because I've overcome some things in my life. I used to be a doper, I'm delivered. I used to be a drunk and I'm set free. I used to be a loner, but now I'm with people. I'm experiencing emotional health. I'm experiencing spiritual health. I'm experiencing my family come together. He's the overcomer, he's not the undertaker, and I'd like you to come and meet Jesus. And I didn't have any red meat yet. Man, I want to preach. I want to get up in your head a little bit. They were being added every day because somebody was happy about this event. They had this cycle of four things that were going on all the time. And I want to venture to challenge you. If you put these four things in your life, you will change our city. You will change your life. You will change the life of those around you. And you will be an overcomer and not someone that's visiting the undertaker. Even Kim's kind of weak right now. How many of you say, yeah, dial me in that one? There's a process that God takes these people through. Process is, uh, is pr progression. It's advancing. 
in the process of time. It's something going on. How many of you know God is working in our lives? God is working in the church. Uh, Process is a natural phenomenon that's marked by gradual changes. It's a series of actions or operations conducing to an end, especially a continuous operation or treatment, especially in manufacturing. My son-in-law, Riley, who I will try to pretend like I actually know what he does as a process engineer. But, but he, he develops these wafers, and so he works with uh, uh, micro devices and, and, and uh, silicon chips and all the stuff that we use for our cell phones and, 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 and uh, you know, automated hip things that, that cause you to move without actually walking and cool stuff like that. Micro devices, what do you call those? Uh, chips. Yeah. Okay. We had, had Riley uh, and Natalie get married so we'd have someone who could actually do math in our whole family, you know. We can sing psalms to God, we just can't count, you know. And so Riley is our mathematician and scientist. But, but where he works, his, his job is, is to uh, learn how to, how to create a solution and make a little wafer uh, which they use to, uh, to manufacture in different places around the country and the world uh, to make like chips and conductors and, and it's, it's uh, deadly chemicals. And so he will be working on a process, didn't work, work, didn't work, work, didn't work, work, didn't work. Finally, he changes the variables. Finally, it works. That's part of the process then he has to be able to write down in detail so that others can do the same thing he did. And, 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 and that gives him a career, and, uh, and so we're not taking up an offering for Riley and Natalie today. But as a process engineer, he wants others to take the same journey he took. That's how God is in process. He's saying, hey, I gave a model of people that were happy and emotionally healthy. Did they have persecutions? Yes, they did. Did they have their goods taken from them? Yes, they did. But they loved each other, and they were happy, and they were being free of sin and sickness and disease. I'd, I think Medford deserves that, too. But it's going to take a process. Because, see, God is a God of process. Looking at creation... God didn't just say, okay, all the rice that we'll ever have, poof, it's there. All the potatoes, all the vegetation. No, God said, I'm going to create the tree with the, with the, with the, the seed and, and, and the, or fruit, and the seed is in the fruit. And they're going to reproduce after like kind. So rice produces after rice. Potatoes produce after potatoes. Humans produce according to our seed. And so God set a process whereby, which we call the reproductive process, so that we could multiply. Why didn't God just do it all? Because he likes process. He likes to see development. Same thing with redemption. Jesus comes into our life, and we are born of God, which is our starting place. You're not as mature today as you will be. So we're walking with God. It's a process. As If we stay on the process, good things be, begin to happen and continue to happen. When we break up the process, then the bad things, everything goes mashugana. Okay. So these are four critical uh, 
components of God's process that we saw in Acts chapter 2. The, num- the first one is the apostles' teaching. It said that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, let me just say this. There's a lot of teaching out there. There's a lot of random stuff you can get on YouTube, on websites, on podcasts. The Bible did not say that they all gathered together on random teachings. It said that they continued steadfastly because they had random teachings in the time of Jesus. They had the Essenes up in the Qumran caves. They had had, uh, various sects that were uh, related to emperor worship. They had had various uh, types of even uh, mystical Jewish uh, believers and then traditional Pharisaical Jew, uh, Jewish believers. And then there was also the Sadducees and Pharisees. There was plenty of, of, of doctrinal options that the early church could have chosen, but they took the apostles' doctrine and they stayed with doctrine that had authority laced into it. Watch this. This is why that, 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 that a young man needs to either have a daddy or borrow one. You need to have a daddy or borrow one. Young man, if your dad abandoned you, please don't think you're going to be okay without that vitamin. You won't be okay. Borrow one. How do you do that? Find a, a guy in the church and say, I need you to, to give me daddy talks not like a wimpified man talk. I want to tell you something, how a, how a dad talks to his son, you redress him in a hurry. Boom. Gina, what are you doing? Johnny, why, why did you do that? That's not nurturing. No, it's not nurturing because I'm not trying to be his mother. I'm his dad. And I'm yanking him up in a hurry. Because that's, that's how men work, guys. We don't like to hear it in our society. That's how men work. Do you want a man in your life or do you want just an inseminator that maybe can help you have a baby but not raise and put that vitamin in your children? And so they had apostles' doctrine. That meant there were some daddies in the faith. That as these people were coming in, they they were being nurtured and admonished with guys like Paul that were taking the beatings. I mean, can you imagine running with Paul? The guy always had to get beat up. He's like the guy that goes to the bar. He has to get a fist fight every time. No, literally, just grab our drinks. Let's go. But Paul was a great father because he was willing to get beaten for the gospel. So when he talked about sacrifice, everyone knew he's the real deal. Okay, there are apostolic fathers that, that have been through the ages and are still available. I know in our church... We have apostolic men that are sacrificial that have poured into the doctrine of this church and oversee us still. We need the word of God. That's what apostles' doctrine is. It's the word of God being given through leadership that helps you to grow in it. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I believe that we need this component in our life, watch this, every day. That's why I love YouVersion. Uh, it's a free app on your Droid or your iPhone, YouVersion, and I like uh, Wayne Cordero's uh, life reading plan. And, and, and every day, I'm reading my Bible. 
And so his plan takes you through uh, the Old Testament one time a year and the New Testament twice. And, and, you know, I did it last year. I did it year before. I did it year before. I did it year before. Before I had that one, we had another one. I did it the year before. I'm planning on doing it next year and the year after that and then the year after that. And, and, and long after I retire from here, I'm planning on doing it that year too. There's a year I'm not going to get it done. It's the year I die. I don't think that we need to be Bible light. We need to be rich in the Word of God. The second thing is fellowship. And fellowship is this word koinonia. It speaks of intimacy with God, that we are given communion with God. And based on communion with God, being caught up in his purpose and plan, we have communion with each other. You see, Jesus is the head of the body, but we are the, the body. Think of it. If my call is to be a part of the ear, but yet I'm not connected with the rest of the body, I'm, 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 I'm a dismembered part of it. We need one another. The Bible said they stayed in fellowship. They stayed connected. You know, I was telling Kim about the, 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 the guys that, that I went to Bible college with, Mark Sturdivant, Mike and Bill Vogel, and some of these guys. Whenever we get together, it's so tender. Because why? Because, see, we have the common values. Not just that we have, have dormitory memories. It's because, see, the Vogel brothers kept pursuing God. Sturdivant, he kept pursuing God and, and, and pastored, and he's been serving the Lord. And we go on and on and on and on and on. I want to tell you something. The Bible just praises people that stay with it. It's, in fact, the Bible said, if, if anyone turns back, my soul is not pleased with them. Fellowship. Loving one another. It's saying, you know what? If we ever become friends, it'll always be you. Because I can take a fight. We can holler at each other. We can get mad for a while. Maybe even not talk for a year. That's cool. You and you're ready to talk. I'm still there. That's what you call fellowship. Yeah. True coining. And not that someone wouldn't talk to you for a year especially if it's your fault. But anyway, third thing is sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. The table is a universal place of building relationship and showing commitment. So much business is conducted around a table. Large business contracts are often signed at restaurants where some, they've eaten together and then they, they make a deal. God says, I want to do business with you and I'd like you to come to my table frequently. That's why on First Wednesday, we have the table of the Lord. We say, hey, we want to meet with the Lord. We want to let him know we're so serious about what he did for us. And we also want to let each other know that, we're, that we want to be in right relationship with each other. Correct? The fourth one is prayer. Um, prayer is so deep, and there's so much I can say on prayer. First Timothy 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Prayer is the means whereby we connect with God. I don't have time to really go into prayer, but I'll show you um, kind of a snippet from the Psalms of a guy that said that, that, that God had heard him. In Psalm 66, verses 16 through 20, it says, Come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. 
Praise God who did not ignore my prayer. Prayer is so beautiful. I want to just encourage you. The worst thing to do with God is try to blow smoke up his skirt. It doesn't work. God knows you. He knows he was there observing every evil deed you've ever done and every righteous deed. He's heard the longing of your heart. He knows you're down-sitting, you're uprising, and he loves you. And the thing to do to have a powerful time of prayer and a life of prayer is come in honestly, watch this, all the time. Don't hokey-doke God. Because if you try to hokey-doke God, who is absolutely un, you're unable to deceive, then the next one that you'll hokey-doke is you, and you are able to deceive yourself. So I don't start with God, and it makes it easier for me not to have to start with myself. I'm not going to lie to God, so I'm certainly not going to lie to me. Does that make sense? Because I know that when I've sinned, and I've come in and said, I've, I've, I've got no one else to blame but me. Only before you, Lord, have I sinned. And these bones that you've broken, you are just. Every time I read Psalm 51, I bawl like a baby. Uh, the beauty of David's repentance. And that was the key to prayer. You want an open heaven? Start with honesty. And, 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 and just tell them, I need you, Lord. Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't let religion get a hold of your head or religious guilt. Like, where have you been? You know, God's not asking where you've been. He knows. But when you come and say, Lord, you know, I haven't even talked to you for a long, long time. And, and I'd like to just start up. God goes, cool, let's do it. I love you. Okay, those four components brings results. What were the results for those people? Well, they shared in common. If you're doing those four things, you're going to be generous with your time, your money, your effort. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Third result, all the while praising God. Fourth result, they were enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Happy Christians serving God together is a great attraction. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I'd like to just challenge you. How many of you say, okay, I want to do those four things. I want to, I want to stay with apostles' teaching. Okay. I want to be in fellowship with God and, and my brothers and sisters. I, I want to uh, share in the table of the Lord and share even by going out with people and just breaking physical bread. Maybe you don't have a lot of money, but can you afford a bag of popcorn and some, some tea from the dollar store? Have people over for tea and popcorn. It works. And prayer. Say, I want to do all these all the time. I want to do these four all the time. By doing this, I'm taking care of me. I'm taking care of my family. I'm taking care of God's house. And I'm taking care of the city. Medford doesn't need a big drug awareness program. Medford needs born-again Christians who can help people with addiction just stop. We can have programs and get more addicted, or we can have the blood of Jesus and get set free. 
Okay, and I'm not putting down programs. Thank God that there are programs where people can start thinking through what they're doing. But I want to tell you something. This is what changes communities. These four things are the things that we do to say, I love my city. I'm going to get off me, my selfies, my Instagram, my Snapchat. Doesn't mean you can't use them, but just look at what you do. If everything you've got posted on Facebook is all about you, you're on the wrong direction. Sometimes there needs to be some, some good thoughts that you post there. Scriptures, encouragement, etc. Anyway, God loves you. Let's stand up real quickly if we could. So our action plan, what areas of the four do you need to devote yourself to more intentionally this week? Is it the word? Is it fellowship? Is it the breaking of bread? The Prayer. Number two, is there a place that God is asking you to serve more intentionally in the gatherings? Some of you have been, uh, many of you have been finding your place, really helping uh, to facilitate small groups and, and, and helping in the big group. This, this functions like the temple worship. We, they met in the temple or the big meeting and they met in the small meetings weekly. Number three, who this week does God want to focus your heart to pray for and show his love to? When you begin to pray and you begin to focus outward, it's amazing. God will begin to lay people in your heart. And number four, personally pray and invite people to be a part of the church family. Don't, don't try to defend joy. We are what we are. What you have to look around is look at the fruit. I see a lot of people here that really are walking in those four areas. They're raising great kids. They're having good results. They have knockdowns. Today I looked at Pastor Denny walking and I thought, man, he's walking good. But when he, when he messed his knee up really bad, it, it seemed like it was going to be forever. How many of you know that, that good, good, bad times never last, but good people endure? Those that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion that cannot be removed but abides forever. How do you become that kind of person? All four, all four. Apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer all the time. If you're here today and you've not invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I'd like to invite every person that's here, as we do weekly, to just invite you to the payment that's already been made. The good news about salvation in Jesus Christ is it's already been paid in full. Jesus already went to the cross. He paid for your sins to be forgiven. What he says is he wants you to call on his name. Whoever would call on the name of the Lord will be saved, and whoever would call on the name of the Lord will not be ashamed. The Lord wants to take away shame from our life. How many of you know we don't do good living with shame? And the best way is to come before God and say, God, I need you. You know me. You know my down settings. You know those things that I've done that I'm so ashamed of I never want anyone else to know. I don't think God wants to just pop our shame. We can have shame night. Who's done more disgusting things than I have? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. He wants to cover it. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall not be ashamed. 
If you're here today and you have not called on God and you say, man, I'm in. Maybe, maybe you're a couple or a whole family or an individual. Come on down. Come down here. We want to pray with you and invite you into the kingdom of God. Start coming right now. I believe there are some folks here. Jesus wants you to join his, his family, and it comes by just putting your faith in him. It comes by you being humble to say, hey, I can't defend what I've done. I've, I've not walked for God. I've not lived for God, but I want to. And the Bible said, if you'll call on his name, he'll touch you. He'll save you. He'll make you a child of God. Hallelujah. I believe there are more folks here. Come on down. If you've not called on the name of the Lord, we want to do that right on. So cool seeing a father and a son. How many of you know that's a good, that's a good day? The angels of heaven rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just before we pray, I believe there are more of you here that, that God wants to just bring you into the kingdom of God. You, 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 don't, you don't take a long bath in order to take a shower. You take the shower and you get the cleansing and then you can take the long bath. So many people were soaking in our own righteousness and we're just greasy trying to clean up before we come to Jesus. Skip it. Come to the shower of the blood of Jesus. Let him just cleanse you and then you get the long bath. He'll clean you and clean you and train you. Come on now. The rest of you that are here that need to, to find Jesus, come on down. Come on down. I'm asking you to with the authority of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray this prayer together, okay? Just repeat after me. Dear Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your loving kindness, your mercy, your tenderness. God, I can't defend my actions, the things that I've done, the things that I've said, the things that I've believed. But today, Lord, I'm taking you at your word. You said, if I would call on your name, I would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord, save me. You said, Lord, if I'd call on your name, I would not be ashamed. Take away my shame, Lord. Change my heart. Make me new on the inside. I put my complete trust in you, Jesus, as my Savior and as my Lord. Dear Father, if you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my Father, I'll be your child. I receive you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before we transition, could we lift up our hands? I'd like to pray for all of us that we stay in the cycle. How many have heard of the crazy cycle, the insane cycle, the depression cycle? But how about the victory cycle? How many say, I want to be in the victory cycle? Lord, I pray for everybody here that they would just get in and stay in the victory cycle. That we do the things that are, are, are good they're integrous, they're right, we're in the Bible, we're loving each other, we're, we're breaking bread together, and we're in prayer. Lord, I, I release the victory cycle to be our habit. In Jesus' name, amen.